0: Look at my butt. Show number 217 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. We are in sync. (laughs) As always. As always. Welcome, friends. Welcome, friends and listeners and Treksters and Buttsters and. Just. Everything. Man, there is so much going on in the world of Trek right now. It's amazing and wonderful and fun, and it's just, it's so cool. I'm so happy.
1: Well, I have to tell you one little thing that happened this week that I just thought I had a heart attack over. (laughs) I saw, I don't know if it was on Bill's Facebook page or somewhere else, it was Shatner's latest rant, (laughs) and he was against man buns, and my first (laughs) thought was, butts. He's against butts, like our podcast, Then I read it, and he's against those man buns, that hairdo. Really? Oh, that's yes. so
0: funny. Bill he's wants against... to get the
1: hair bun, ba- the man bun, banned.
0: Of all the things for him to concern himself about. <laughs> hey, he's Bill. He's everywhere. I know, I know. He thinks deeply about these things. That is very <laughs> I'm sorry, it really makes me laugh.
1: And (laughs) I hope everybody has been going to our Facebook page, because we have posted some fun stuff. And there was a clip of Bill being the weatherman on the Weather Channel. (laughs) Yes. Which was so funny, because obviously as an actor, he's worked in front of a green screen. But weathermen have to point at specific Mm -hmm. places Mm -hmm.
0: and things, and Bill's like, and it's over there, or... Just waving his hands around, (laughs) figuring somehow it'll all work out. It was so cute. (laughs) Oh, he's so fun. So that's another Media Concord, right? It absolutely is. Weatherman, Media Concord. Okay. Go, Bill. So um, Bill has been everywhere because he is promoting uh, the 50th anniversary. Yes. And he's promoting his book. And he's currently in the midst of doing a whole bunch of cons uh, in including the one we're going to in yeah 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 silicon valley comic con be
1: there over um or the weekend of St. Patrick's Day oh is it really
0: oh, well yeah it's I like
1: St. Patrick's Day is the 17th and i think oh, the that's right. con you... is 18th 19th something like that
0: yeah and you know the con is actually very close to uh, Chatmoy so it could be a little bit of an early Chatmoy celebration as that's well that's right yeah so yeah
1: Top of the shatmoy to you.
0: <laughs> so let's see. Um, uh, do we want to talk about new track? Yes. Because so much is happening there.
1: There, there, is, there were major announcements just mm-hmm. this week. Uh, first one was, and this made my heart go pitter-pat, is that Nicholas Meyer has joined the show as a producer.
0: Oh, so exciting. And
1: I, I was like, what? You mean this has a chance to <laughs> actually
0: be good? So now that he's been announced, and now um, to pile on top of that, another person who has just signed on is Gene Roddenberry's son. Yes. Roddenberry. Do you think it is now essential that it be in the old Trekverse? I can't see them doing it in the new Trekverse with these kind of people on board. Okay, I'm not. I I hope they
1: are not doing it in the TOS era, mm-hmm. but I hope they are going to be an extension of the canon established from TOS onward up until when JJ took over.
0: Okay, good. That's what I think I'm too. really
1: hoping it will not be
0: in the rebooted universe. I just can't see them hiring on all these people who have such deep levels of expertise mm-hmm. in the in the canon universe, and then chucking it all like that. Just doesn't make any sense. To well, me. the only hope it would have, if it's
1: set in the JJ verse, is obviously they are not going to be able to use Kirk, Spock, Uhura, those mm-hmm. people, or even Enterprise. So they'll have their own cast of characters, their own ship, and with, as you say, these people who are are immersed in canon and what the characters should be and the type of people who would be doing this sort of work, you know, going into space and everything, um, I I am holding on to the hope that even if they decide, okay, it's the J.J. verse, Vulcan blew up, um, that we will see interesting, compelling characters who are mm-hmm. not cartoons.
0: Mm, that would be really, really good. Um, let me, I, I wanted to read a couple of things that appeared at um, Trek Core about this. So in the announcement that Ron Roddenberry would be on board, he says, moral dilemmas, human issues, complex characters, and a genuine sense of optimism. These are the cornerstones of Star Trek and are what have made it such an influential and beloved franchise for the last 50 years while i will always be humbled by its legacy and the legions of fans who are its guardians it's a genuine honor to be joining a team of imaginative and incredibly capable individuals whose endeavor it is to uphold the tenets of star trek's legacy while bringing it to audiences in a new era and on a contemporary platform Mm -hmm. so this stuff about the moral dilemmas and the human issues you know that that seems really good. Yes, <laughs> that's what I want yes. to see in here.
1: Well, I have a, a couple of quotes here from Nicholas Meyer oh, good. when he was uh, interviewed by Den of Geek. Den mm-hmm. of Geeks, uh, Meyer said, "I think it's going to be a different Star Trek. It will go in a different direction, and I think that is probably good because the thing that mainly troubles me about Star Trek." is the fear of it maybe being retreads of itself. And to the degree that I had any influence on the thing at all, was that at least while I was there, we were fooling around. And if you're not fooling around, the things can become stale. And I think that Brian Fuller, who is a very clever fellow, has ideas, some of which I've heard, that are innovative and different. Different is what got me interested. Mm. Then he also said, the one thing I can relate to you is that The Undiscovered Country, according to Brian Fuller, is a real sort of taking off point or touchstone for how I guess he's thinking about the direction of the new show. I don't want to be misquoted and I don't want to misquote him, but he's fond of that film. Let's put it that way. Mm.
0: So hmm that's very interesting isn't it yeah Hmm, that would be good that would be good oh that would be so good well yes um let's talk about what people want to see in the new
1: series (laughs) let us talk about it tell me tell us how you found
0: this amazing list and then let's uh Let's talk about it. Yeah. Yes, um, So yes. I was I was just browsing around the internet on one of the forums that I happened to read, and there was a thread about Star Trek, and um, the topic came up. What What's on your wish list for the new track? And um, many people responded, so I kind of cut and pasted a lot of these responses in, into a list. So I wanted to go through the list, and uh, we can talk about what we think is good and what we think is bad, and then further thoughts that we might have ourselves. So here are what some people said they wanted us as, as part of the new trick. Uh, one is an overarching narrative.
1: Although in your and, note to me, it says overaching narrative. And oh, it does say overaching. I aching. <laughs> would prefer an overaching uh, narrative <laughs> with people I taking Bayer aspirin and, you know, rubbing
0: in aspirin cream a lot. Really? They, they'd all have their foreheads wrinkled because they'd be in pain. <laughs> Let's not have an overaching narrative, but an overarching narrative could be good. Although I, w- I would hope that they don't become a slave to the overarching narrative, because when that happens, I think the individual episodes lose some of their power. Um... This happened for me with Doctor Who a little bit with some of the more recent uh, arcs of it when there has been an overarching narrative that goes through the whole season Mm -hmm. where you know that they're not going to get to the thing until the end. Yes. So some of the episodes seem... They're not filler exactly, but you're kind of waiting for them to advance the plot and they're not advancing the plot and then you kind of are not able to enjoy them as episodes because they're not advancing the plot.
1: Well, I as I think you may know, am very suspicious of TV shows with an overarching narrative Mm -hmm. with that series long arc because almost nobody can pull it off. Although you start Mm -hmm. out thinking, okay, this is how it's going to be. The minute the thing airs, suddenly to a certain extent, people are responding and you're going, oh, well, maybe we should be going more in this direction. And so it just, it wanders around until it finally runs out of gas, and mm-hmm. and it, then it has like a, a, a season finale that, um, you know, is pretty much useless, but Ho-Ho maybe solves the initial problem. Mm-hmm. So I really dislike that, and you know I loved Battlestar Galactica, and I even liked their last episode, but I will admit, lots of things that came up in the first couple of seasons that, you know, really should have been driving... Other things never, ever mm-hmm. showed up again. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to control.
0: What it totally I'm... is. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, I, I was going to mention that I much prefer where uh, there's not an overarching narrative in the sense that the season is like a whodunit and you, you're waiting to get to that last episode yes. to find out who, who has done it. But more like in Deep Space Nine, where for the last couple of seasons, there was a a situation happening, and all of the episodes took place within that situation, which right. was the war with the Dominion. And that was really good because it didn't have a fixed endpoint, like who's going to win. Right. There were a lot of things that were happening along the way. And that was much more exciting than just getting to who's going to win the war. So that would be good. I would be down for that. Or what I was thinking about might
1: work is okay, let's assume they're on one of these like five year missions. And what we saw in TOS was there was um, some sort of problem, adventure, assignment every week that had to be handled. Mm -hmm. Well, what if you were to stretch that assignment out to a half season? Mm -hmm. So um, they get in this situation situation. Where, you know, a, a lot of it is taking place really far away from Earth and Starfleet headquarters, so the captain has to, you know, make all the decisions, and uh, there's a war going on, and they decide to take a whole bunch of refugees in. Mm-hmm. And then they find out nobody wants them. So they've got a half a season with this problem going on, while mm-hmm. other things still are happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, by the end of the season, something occurs, you know, to so that that problem gets handed off somebody else or they, they put them all on earth or whatever, but then they go on to their next mission. Mm -hmm. You know, so instead of having to wrap it up in 40 minutes
0: or whatever it comes to, but have a plan, you know, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I like that very much. On just an ongoing thing, not ongoing the whole season, but ongoing for Mm -hmm. some of the season. That would be Mm -hmm. cool. That'd be very
1: cool. And it opens up, to my way of thinking a lot of revenue opportunities because let's say they did something about it, like what I just described and all the fans became really intrigued with this these refugees and the race they're in okay you do a spin-off series <laughs> about the refugees trying to fit in on whatever planet they've been put on or what they are encountering and we never see the Star Trek people again they're their mm-hmm. own show mm-hmm. you know and I mean, right now, that sort of thing is so popular. Um, you know, American Horror Story does a totally different story every season. You know, they're an anthology. Mm-hmm. Fargo is the same way. Uh, Once Upon a Time, which is just spiraling but, but fucking crazy, but mm-hmm. still, half a season. You know, we got to deal with this villain, and then the next season, a half comes on, and they got a new villain they have to deal with. But, you know, that type of thing... Uh, works better because it's a shorter timeline Mm -hmm. so the the writers and showrunner have more control over Mm -hmm. where this is going and it has to get there
0: by this date yep i completely agree i like that idea well are you guys listening writers are you listening (laughs) boy i hope they are do this this send this to nicholas meyer and brian fuller Yeah, yeah yeah Okay, next on the list. We'll, we'll go more quickly through some we of these. We will, cause but that some, was some one were, I thought a lot about after yeah, I read this. Yeah, I, I think those are excellent points, and I agree with you about that. Um, the next point is an articulated and explored idealist political outlook, um, and which is very interesting, and to me, again, harks back to original Trek, because I felt like TOS really did have a, a political outlook that was very much about idealism and optimism. Yes, it so that, had a definite good. point of view. Yep. Uh, next one is a gay, bi, or pan character. That would be awesome. Absolutely, and I think about they, time. They you know, they really like, have let's to. Let's open it
1: up in diversity. Yes, they really have to hit diversity. Um, and one of the things I was thinking about is I don't want everybody on the starship to be Hollywood good-looking. And because this is something we really need right now, you hear about it all the time in the news. We need uh, young women to become more interested in science and engineering. So I, mm-hmm. we've had a female captain. I would like to see one or two, one or both of these. There's no reason we can't have both. I would like a female chief engineer and Ooh. or a female science officer who does not have I to be the- first officer. But I, I mm-hmm. just feel like we really, really must have that.
0: I was just thinking that yeah a female science officer would be awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: I think an engineer to me would be even more groundbreaking, but that's just me. Yeah.
0: That would be that would be very cool. So, yes, I vote on all those things. Yay. Yes. Okay, um next item, weird change of pace episodes to happen on planets in the universe rather than the holodeck. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much anti holodeck at this point, so uh, I really let's am Let's not do holodeck episodes. I really am too and I want um
1: If it's set like uh, farther on the timeline, you know, like post-Picard, I want them Mm -hmm. to have made a discovery that the holodeck holodeck is
0: horribly, horribly dangerous and they don't even have them anymore. That would be cool. That would be really cool. Um, So building on that, uh, some attention paid to imagining future technology rather than just reiterating on stuff that was revolutionary in the 60s. And uh, the person who wrote this said, that's actually the only thing I liked about the holodeck. It was the thing that was different. Yes. But yeah, how about some, some new and different technology? That'd be mm-hmm. good. Next item. Some compelling political and personal conflicts between crew members while still making them idealistic and friendly. Yes. That would be
1: good. Yes. Also, absolutely no bad guy like Dr. Smith or anything like that. No, this definitely not. This has to be not. a crew that, that works together.
0: Yes, Yes. and I, I want to come back to that idea about the crew working together when we're discussing uh, some political lectures that I was listening to earlier, because there were some really interesting points there. Okay. Um, the next item is good. Space anomalies well-suited for being made into smut tropes. I think that's a given. <laughs> I, okay. I really do. We'll put that on the list. Um, Next one. At least some characters that come across like they aren't stiffs and squares that only do their jobs and maybe for fun look after plants and play 3D chess and collect 20th century memorabilia while wearing mono-colored clothes that look like pajamas and other such tame activities. Exploring the universe should be fun, exciting, and maybe sexy. I agree. And getting back to TOS. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what that was. Let's do bright colors again, please. Yeah. Uh, Okay, next one. No reset button and no filler episodes. The seasons should be short and concisely paced. Oh, I so
1: agree. Short and concisely paced. I love that.
0: Mhm. Now, somebody made a comment on this idea about the filler episodes, and and I kind of agree with the the exception is that sometimes filler episodes get to be really interesting character exploration. Yes. Uh, where there isn't a lot of action happening, or the plot's not going anywhere, and I'm okay with those once in a while. So I wouldn't ban filler episodes as long as they're being used for character development. Well, and the other thing is if if they were to go
1: in a direction like we were talking about earlier where it was a half-season arc or something, okay, that's not going to be a comic arc. It's going to Mm -hmm. be, you know, dramatic with some sort of stakes to it. So your filler episodes could lighten it up. Mm-hmm, Which is, is absolutely oh, necessary, definitely. although I still want them to do that good mis- mixture of drama and
0: comedy within episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Next one. No character concepts from old Trek shows are repeated, and the writers are not allowed to fall back to those character concepts via lazy development. Yes. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yes. Okay. And then now the next one is really good. And I like the fact that this person wrote this. So um, you could tell that they felt strongly about yes. it. Yes. Um, no contrived plots that hinge on events or situations that, if thought about for more than five minutes, imply that some or all of the characters or Starfleet are deeply incompetent and or assholes. <laughs> Starfleet engineers, for example, should not build warp drives, transporters, or a holodecks apparently designed to be as hilariously lethal as possible when <laughs> malfunctioning or damaged. Failsafe, fail-safe systems should work almost always instead of almost never. <laughs> I agree. definitely now you know a lot of that is for drama right Mm -hmm. like you have some cool piece of tech and what happens when it malfunctions but yeah they shouldn't be malfunctioning in every episode right that's just bad design well and they should be more
1: careful in in writing about their technology so you know if if yours if if this starship is so incredibly powerful um can it it solve every problem how do you have adventures if the if the ship can, it can totally protect you and take care of everything. And, and you know, uh, people have talked about this, that in the first season, one of the things was, okay, we have to find a way of making the ship malfunction so the characters mm-hmm. can spring to the for- forward. And then later they had given Spock so goddamn many superpowers. It was, mm-hmm. okay, we got to find a way of disabling Spock so
0: right, that everybody right, else exactly. has to be on their
1: own, you know.
0: Yep so be and careful sometimes it works sometimes yeah, I mean, it works th- great but you can't go to that well you know every third episode right because then you end up with having too many episodes where they get stranded in a cave on a planet yes right which happened way too many times in all the episodes of trek where they got stranded in a cave on a planet because of whatever and and turned into slugs Yes. And lizards and everything. Okay. Um, Getting back to the holodeck. Absolute bare minimum of holodeck and zero episodes that revolve entirely around the holodeck. Unless I will make one exception.
1: If they're as good as that Professor Moriarty one, I still think that was an outstanding holodeck episode
0: it It really was, but I don't think they could do it again because the the concept for it they kinda did it you know? well, I'm not saying do
1: that concept, but I'm saying if you come up with something that deeply original mm. and mm-hmm. with this is a problem this crew has to solve, and it's not an easy problem um I mean the crew actually looks very smart in that one, working yeah. their way I, through I'm- it.
0: I don't, I'd have a lot of confidence that they could come up with something as yeah. original as that, right. but maybe right. I'm just being pessimistic. Okay. Okay. Um, next one. I'd like it if there were a genuinely unapologetically butch female character. Yep. That would be good.
1: That would be great.
0: That would be awesome. Oh, and yeah, I want like...
1: played by the actress who's playing the unapologetically butch female character on Game of Thrones. I cannot think
0: of her name, but oh man, she's good. well it would be awesome okay okay um next one it must be funny yes and i think that you know what you said yes it has to be amusing and dramatic at the same time um i also want mostly platonic relationships and friendships between the main characters and relatively little canon romance yes i agree with that let's let's not focus on the romance yeah please just once uh, this person says, "I want it to be set post TNG DS9 and not before. I want to see—excuse <clears throat> me—I want to see the consequences of events we've already seen in canon, 10 or 20 or 50 years later. I'd also like to see some shaking in the foundations of the Federation and Starfleet. I want lots of internal Federation politics. That would be interesting." It would be interesting, and setting it post those things mm-hmm. could be pretty cool, too. Um, I just know, don't want it to events. get sucked into being a show about
1: internal Starfleet or Federation politics. Because yeah, what,
0: what we be, liked yeah. was going out in space and exploring. Mm-hmm. It should not be set at Starfleet or yeah. you know what the machinations are for elections and things like that. Yeah. Nobody wants to see that. Okay. Uh, Next one. I want a gay captain. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want a trill. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) I love trills. That was good. And the very last one, I think really sums it up because this person said, I just really hope it doesn't suck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, so say we all. So say we all. Absolutely. We don't want it to suck. Yeah. So I, I like all of these ideas. I think they're really good. And I am just so hoping that the writers don't get lazy or they feel like they have to pander or, you know, there, there are just so many places where they, they could take the easy way out and let's mm-hmm. hope that they don't take the easy way out.
1: Well, I am just, just so encouraged that they're bringing aboard people and being led by people who don't stand up and say, well, I actually like Star Wars better. <laughs> yeah. You exactly.
0: know? Uh-huh. Ah, it would be very good. Well, I'm wondering if we'll hear anything more about this at um e-old Silicon Valley Comic Con. You know, there could be some good Star Trek discussion happening oh, there. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll hear some stuff, yeah. And, you know, happen. maybe we'll learn something
1: about it at the con in Chicago in September, too, you know.
0: This this is right, yeah.
1: I, it I seems mean, wouldn't like that be they're... awesome if, like, Nicholas Meyer was there to talk? Oh, oh my God. That would be or amazing. Or Brian Fuller, you know, but, I mean, Nicholas Meyer is...
0: One of our Trek heroes. Yeah. Um, it seems like they're sort of rationing out the news about the new mm-hmm. series. You know, like they'll announce one person one week and then the next week they'll yeah. announce another person. So I'm assuming that it's going to be like that from now on, that they'll just, you know, have the stuff queued up and they'll say, well, and now this person's a writer and now we're going to hire this, you know, like it, it'll, it, they're not going to release a lot of information at one time. It'll no, be they, want, they want to build the buzz. Mm-hmm. They yeah, want to they keep will.
1: you and me talking about it.
0: They will, yeah. Because that, that's all we're going to be talking about until this yes. thing happens. And oh my God, I hope it doesn't suck.
1: I really hope it doesn't suck. Really? Okay, I have to bring up one other thing we didn't have on our list: the developments oh, oh, in the okay. lawsuit. Oh, please! What have you heard? Because I haven't seen anything. Okay, the um the people producing the professional, not professional Star Trek, uh huh. They have uh filed a thing with the court. Challenging CBS, Paramount, whoever, to specifically identify all the things that they believe are exclusively Star Trek and to define Star Trek. <laughs> and I'm
0: going, oh, please, please, please put Bill on the stand. <laughs> he can tell you what Star Trek is. He knows. Yeah. He very much He's knows. written books about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I I had seen that and I I kind of agree with the strategy because if they're claiming that th- that axonar is infringing on Star Trek but they haven't actually specified what parts of it I think they mm-hmm. need to do that but then once they start specifying parts of it that Axanar is infringing on of course that opens the door to all the other people who have infringed on it too so um, right you know. It's a it's a discovery tactic, and it will be very interesting to see what their response is. Like, are they really going to sit down and, and make a list of all the ways that it's infringing and what Star Trek actually I is? don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. That just sort of made me open my eyes
1: wide and yeah. go, wow, that is some idea. I mean... I, I, even Gene Roddenberry himself, you know, if he were still alive and in and, and you know had seen all that has happened in Star mm-hmm. Trek and in science fiction and in television, I bet he could not define Star Trek.
0: Yeah. You you. It has
1: it has grown so big. I mean, at what point does something become such a huge part of our modern pop culture and mythology? Mm hmm. Mm hmm that you can't just say i own it all i don't know
0: i don't know either i think either. this gonna, this could be interesting it's going to be very interesting trek references pop up in the weirdest places so i was watching <sighs> um legends of tomorrow the other night which is mm-hmm. the uh, spin-off of flash and arrow and uh it's pretty good although uh, they always have these issues because um the the leader of this ragtag band of rebels is a <laughs> is a time master and they, they uh-huh. really work themselves into contortions not to, to make it be Doctor Who. So yeah. you know, but every time I'm watching it I'm like, Oh Time Master, right, you know, here he goes. <laughs> it is oh no, it's not a TARDIS. Um so and they It's the galaxy
1: quest it, of Doctor Who. It really
0: is, and they're just always, you know, like it's as if you're you're using a thesaurus when you're talking about time travel because you can't say things like you know oh and then we went into the time vortex because that's a doctor who thing you can't say time vortex, right so you have to come right. up with something else and then yeah. there's like the council of the time masters it's like oh are they on gallifrey also anyway um, <laughs> no they're on phalligree yeah yeah it's, like that. it's <laughs> kind of like that so entirely different <laughs> it's very amusing and in the most recent episode there were two things that really got me one was that um the regular captain had to go and do something at the time master. So he left somebody else in charge, um, who's really into being in charge. And so at one point we come back after commercial and the, the new guy, uh, Ray is, um, recording a captain's log. So he's sitting in the captain's chair and he's actually doing it. He goes, captain's log, stardate. And then he does it. In oh some, no. He really did. And somebody else worked by and goes, you know, you're not captain Kirk. <laughs> oh! <laughs> well, Did you hear about this? Because I don't know
1: what show it happened on. I saw a blip about it. On some science fiction TV show, and I'm assuming it takes place in the future, Uh the the characters are are looking at, like, historical documents like the Thermians did, (laughs) and they're saying, this proves that thousands of years ago, humans and elves worked together and traveled in space.
0: And they're looking at Kirk and Spock. Oh, my God. That's so funny. No, I haven't seen that. Now I need to know what that is. I know and I can't you know it's not a show I watch so
1: that name just did not stick with me but oh I laughed oh that's
0: hilarious so maybe one of our listeners can tell us more about that oh I would love to know I have to start googling okay I want to say one more thing about Legends of Tomorrow and then we'll take our break okay So this was so funny so during this episode it was a very busy episode a lot of things were happening they're on a spaceship they're out in space and our main character uh, Captain Rip Hunter as played by Arthur Darville (laughs) who was Rory in Doctor Who um he's having oh really yeah he's the main guy which is even weirder right like now he's the time master It's like no you're not you're just Mm. rory so um (laughs) they uh he's having a flashback to when he was in time master academy or whatever it was called and um Mm -hmm. so he's on a ship and and um he's he's working with one of the other Time Masters, and there are space pirates on their ship, and they're firing at them. Oh, space blah, blah. pirates! Yeah, I know, space pirates. And they're having a battle. They're at my door. That's why Jack's barking. Okay. Go ahead. Um, and it's very, very dramatic and all this. And then the, the other captain, who's a woman, I can't remember her name, um, she, she commands the computer to open up the... Um, the hatch which goes out to space and it sucks all the space pirates out of the ship and the day is saved and everybody's very happy and right at the end of it the lights come up and the guy walks on and he goes you passed the simulation and I was like I just did the Kobayashi Maru oh really like way to rip that off completely from Star Trek in the same episode where you're saying to another character that he's no Captain Kirk wow they just packed those Trek references in there it was amazing well, I'm still
1: watching the magicians. Nobody wrote in to tell me why I should be doing this, <laughs> but I am. And uh, they had this this huge puzzle the school made them solve, and one of them actually said, "Okay, so this is our Kobayashi Maru."
0: <gasps> really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. See, there it is. It's just there. You don't even have to explain it to people. You just say it. Right. In well, and Star Trek lately keeps showing up
1: articles about it, serious articles in business week and you know cranes and investor magazine and stuff you know it's just it is amazing how that really has permeated the whole culture and they almost always have a picture of William Shatner of course they do well they know what they want to sell but it's like okay we want to explain uh you know Traffic, traffic lights in terms of Star Trek Because we all know Star Trek We want to explain competence In terms mm-hmm, of Star Trek right. Like we were talking about last week
0: yep. It's amazing It is. So so good luck Paramount in trying to define Star Trek <laughs> You know With all of yep. these things Alright let's wow. take our little break And then we've got even okay. more fun stuff To talk about when we come back
2: Space the final frontier. These are the voyages of the
0: Starship Enterprise, its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations,
2: to boldly go where no man has gone before.
0: Listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com and leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com, and please visit us at the Look at His Butt Facebook page. All right, so we have time for questions—about twenty minutes. Uh, so go ahead and raise your hands for questions, and I'll—we'll uh, take um, a few at a time. So if everyone, go ahead and raise your hands now. Uh, yeah, I'll start with you, please. All right,
2: bye. About the uh, frontier myth, I think very, that is very much what Star Trek is about. It is the frontier myth, but I find it an extremely negative perception. I found I find it a, a totalitarian, reactionary, pessimistic, and authoritarian. I think it promotes uh, racism, sexism, anti-Semitism in a very big way and so powerfully that it's so intimidating to watch it if you're, say, 15, 16, tw- even 23, or, or, or but if you are an adolescent, it's an extremely intimidating show. It makes you feel completely subordinate and uh, proud beaten, I guess, is the word for it. Spock with those dreadful eyebrows. I've never, seen, I've never seen such an anti... Even the Nazis were not quite so overt with Peter Lorre. I mean, this is dreadful. Um, the only oddity I found was that the Shatner, Bill Shatner's character, who was sort of, uh, look, seems to me to be Eastern European, was not a wasp. I don't know why they didn't put Troy Donahue or Robert Redford in that role.
0: Listeners, were you wondering what you just heard? I found it totally intimidating... (laughs) So that was a clip that I pulled from this very interesting, um, they're calling it a podcast. It's really just an audio recording that was done at the Literary Festival of 2016 at the London School of Economics and Political Science. And they had a panel called To Boldly Go, What Star Trek Tells Us About the World. And I will put in the link to it. And it's about an hour and a half worth. Um, they had, let's see, one, two, three, four speakers who talked about um about the research that they've done on star trek and the modern world and they're all you know like real academic researchers and it was really interesting so if you've got the time to listen to this i strongly encourage you to go and and listen to it um the first person the first woman talked about um all of the different ways that star trek uses nautical themes and how so much of the context of star trek of course was based on exploration so you know getting in ships and going out there and obviously all of the terminology on the ship itself but um, she really got down to some viewpoints about how Europeans viewed exploration of the rest of the world and how that's very much embodied in Star Trek. And I thought that was really interesting. It was cool. So Mm -hmm. I'd like to hear more about that. These people, they only had like 15 minutes each to do a little talk on their thing. So that was great. Um, Somebody else was talking about um, the things that Star Trek um, thought would happen, which didn't actually like what the things that they dealt with and then the things that they never did deal with. So, You know, um, they dealt with diversity to a certain extent, but, you know, obviously not in terms of, uh, sexuality. That was one of the things, and they never Mm -hmm. really dealt with feminism, and they never really dealt with economics. You know, they just kind of were like, oh, there's no scarcity for anything, so it's all great, and then we never actually got any episodes that dealt with that. So that was kind of cool to figure out what they'd done and what they hadn't done, um, I'm trying to remember, there was just so much that went into it. Oh, and one of the things that they talked about was um, just attitudes that in Star Trek very much reflected kind of American attitudes towards authority and the way you behave in group situations. So, for example, um, the guy was saying, you know, on the Enterprise, it's a ship, right? It's a ship that's out in space. And therefore, it has to have a lot of hierarchy because you can't have a ship anywhere unless there's a lot of hierarchy Mm -hmm. because otherwise people do what they want and then nothing works. So there's a lot of rigidity in the hierarchy and, you know, that's partly based on sailing ships on Earth. But at the same time, you have the Americanism that, that comes in with the disobeying orders all the time. And, right, <laughs> right? I mean, all the time. All the time. And it's not just Kirk. <laughs> other people do it too. I mean, he's the, the prime example of I'm not going to do what they tell me. But it's very interesting mm-hmm. that those two things are juxtaposed, right? Like this very rigid hierarchical world of the starship. And yet the captain of the starship is the one who's constantly disregarding orders from his superiors. So that that's an interesting dynamic. And they took that into the other series as well. But it's a sort of mm-hmm. peculiarly American view of what, the future might be like you know like other cultures Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have envisioned it in that way and i had never thought about it like that i was like oh that's a really good point yeah you know kirk kirk is the guy he doesn't want to take orders from people he has no problem giving orders to other people and he expects them to obey but he's he's allowed to break the rules
1: but here's the thing in a way for kirk and any captain in his position that is a no-win scenario Mm -hmm. because they put him out there and they say You've got to be able to make your own decisions because you cannot clear it with headquarters. You're going to be too far away. But don't ever do this thing. It's like,
0: really, yeah.
1: you have no idea what's out there, and you're going to set a a, a boundary. Mm-hmm on me well so
0: that so it's like a damned if you do damned if you don't yeah and and i think that's actually where the interesting conflict in this series comes from that's what the conflict of star trek is about in a way it's when do you break Mm -hmm. the rules and when do you do what your conscience tells you as opposed to what the rules tell you so i just thought that was great so um go and listen to it it's really good it's interesting and fun the people are funny of course and then after all these folks got done talking, they opened it up for questions. And this woman that you heard right there was the very first person to get up there and not <laughs> even ask a question just to get up there and talk no, about no, how much no. she hated Star Trek. And all I could think was, why are you there? Like, really if You hate Star Trek that much. Why did you come to listen to these people just talk for an hour about Star Trek? What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. So weird. And I, I was like, trying to listen i was trying to follow her train of thought on all that and what she said about star trek being intimidating to teenagers or to people who watch it that you feel like you're being browbeaten I'm like what the hell are you talking about because in my And you know well in my opinion it's ahead. completely the opposite you know when I watched Star Trek as a youngster as a what she was talking about as a teenager I felt like it was one of the most welcoming and all embracing kind of shows that I'd ever seen and and that was true for TOS and TNG and all the other ones like I watched it and I felt like I was instantly part of this world and I understood the characters, and it was so friendly to me. That was what I loved about it. As a, mm-hmm. as a, you know, geeky teenager, this was so friendly, and that's why I loved it, and that's why people love it. What's she talking about? And the, uh, well, and
1: I've never heard anybody ever, ever say that. And even in reading articles and talking to people who hate Star Trek or don't like it, they have contempt for it. They are not intimidated yeah.
0: by it. Yeah, I mean what's intimidating and why does she think it's so pessimistic i mean that's kind of the point yeah. of star trek is that it's not pessimistic it's it's all about the mm-hmm. optimism like yay the future's going to be better. yeah wow that was super weird um so the, the hilariously i didn't include this in the clip but she got done talking and then they passed the microphone on to the next person for another question and there was this long pause and the guy goes i don't quite know how to follow that question <laughs> <laughs> Oh good for him. And then he has something normal. And then the panelists never even bothered to deal with what that woman had to say. They just pretended like it had well, never happened. Yeah,
1: she just she just wanted to spew. Ooh.
0: So she didn't have a question. No, no question, no thought that was worth debating. So weird. Anyway, so that was cool. So did anybody have an interesting question? Um, you know, they, they talked about some of the things that, that we've talked about. They talked about diversity a little bit. They talked about, you know, issues with authority. Um, talked about the Prime Directive a lot, you know, that um, mm-hmm. the Prime Directive is one of those things that um, they had to set up to ma- to have a rule within the series. But that wasn't really based on mm-hmm. anything that had happened in uh, say earth 's history, so um, talking about hmm. people like Captain Cook like they didn't have rules you know when you went to to the South Pacific Islanders you didn't say, well, right. if they have guns, we'll talk to them, and if they don 't have guns we'll leave them alone <laughs> that that wasn't part of it, so that was oh, but I go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I, that was just a thing that they they invented not really based on um, it, it things that had happened in exploration on Earth in previous centuries.
1: Oh, well, I always kind of got the impression, and Captain Cook is a good example, that they put that in to show how we had learned mm. to not run roughshod over other cultures, which has been our history of exploration. This is
0: right. And and one of the panelists pointed out that the apparently, and I don't remember this, was that the uh, impetus for the Prime Directive actually came from Vulcan. Um, and I don't know whether that was in Enterprise or, like, it certainly, I don't remember it from TNG, but in Star Trek canon, the idea for the Prime Directive came from Vulcan and then everybody else just sort of agreed to it because they were very vocal about it.
1: You know, I've run into that. I don't know if it was in, you know, a a fiction, not a fanfic. Or if... uh, Yeah, somewhere that was like... um, Vulcan was not going to join mm-hmm. the Federation because of that kind yeah, of Yeah, exactly. So I think it must
0: be- So that was somewhere. So maybe they talked about it in TNG. Maybe. It had to be canon because what these people were talking about in the, this um literary festival mm-hmm. was all canon stuff like they weren't dealing with fan fiction. Right. So I I need to refresh my memory on that. But it was it was very interesting. So yeah, that was a nice way to spend an hour and a half listening to smart people talking smart talk about Star Trek.
1: Yes. Yeah. That is great. So tell—I did not have time to listen to this, but I certainly do intend to. Tell us about the the um, bill being on the Meredith Vieira show.
0: This was, a, gosh, it was such a short clip. It was like two minutes of him, and um, the clip basically focused on. Um, him telling the story of the one time that um, he was in a hotel lobby and this woman wanted his autograph and she pulled her left breast out of her shirt and wanted him to autograph her boob, <laughs> and um, he was laughing and he said, "And I only had a ballpoint pen. I didn't even have a sharpie." <laughs> and so, and Meredith Vieira said, "And what did you do?" And he said, "Run." So. <laughs> He didn't sign it? I think that's what he said. I don't know. Right. He probably made the whole thing up. I don't even think that actually happened. Um, But the the best part for me was she said to him, um, you know – You you were in Star Trek, and you had this reputation, and, um, you know, back then you you had a lot of female fans because you were just so sexy, and they put up this picture of him with his hands on his hips from the Charlie X episode, where he's wearing the red Uh tights, and he's looking all sweaty and everything, and the whole audience was like, ooh. (laughs) and 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 he was like oh are you a fan too and she's like oh yeah i'm a fan and he's like oh just like recently seeing this picture and she's like oh no from back then and she was really serious (laughs) about it and it was just really funny like i think she really is a fan from back then the way she said it from back then just like dead serious oh yes from back then (laughs) wow so it's very amusing and you know bill's so funny when he tells those stories
1: Oh, he always
0: is. He's so entertaining. He so that was his biggest fan, was the woman who wanted him to sign her boob.
1: Oh, okay. I'm sure he signed it. Probably he did. I'm sure he has signed many women's uh, boobs. And probably lots of butt. I bet he has been asked that more than once. And we saw a, a film clip or a picture from when he did the, uh, oh, what's the the um, the paintball thing? Mm.
0: Where he signed this guy's butt. Yep. Remember I'm that? I'm sure he signed butts. You know what people do? This is a little creepy, but, you know, whatever. People get um, <laughs> celebrity autographs on a part of their body, like on their arm or their leg, and then they have mm-hmm. it tattooed. Oh, yeah. Like in in the place where, the, like right over the Sharpie, I guess that's what the, the tattoo uh-huh. artist uses. Yeah, so that, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, if that's the tattoo you want, that's cool. <laughs> And I guess so. It's your it's body, your money, you know. Do what you like. That's right. Uh,
1: wow.
0: Mm-hmm. So now tell yeah, us just... about the Star Trek Hamilton. Oh, thing. this was so funny. So, um, recently I started listening to Hamilton, and it's really good. I'm so far behind the. Time. I've been
1: listening to it it's too. It's so good. Yeah.
0: I, as I said to you in email. They said it was a hip-hop musical, but I didn't think it would actually be (laughs) hip-hop. And then I listened to it, and I was like, oh, it's hip-hop. Oh, cool. I like this. (laughs) Because I'm just stupid that way. Anyway, um, (laughs) so this guy, his name is Tim Murphy. Oh, no, sorry. That's not who it is. Um, Who did this? I'm looking at the name here. Blah, blah, blah. Jackson Lansing. And he took... um, the song "My Shot," I'm not throwing away my shot, and it became "I'm not throwing yes. away my Spock," and it's supposed to be from the perspective of of Sarek, and it's about what um, he was giving up when S- Spock went away to the Vulcan Science Academy and then into Starfleet, and everybody gets a little cameo in there. It's pretty clever. I mean, it it's not. I'm gonna have to look yeah, at that. Yeah, it's this. all right. You know, the music is good and everything. It's pretty funny, and the film clips are nice, and it's all J- um, Abrams verse stuff. So. Just, mm-hmm. just a warning for that. Cool. Yeah, so,
1: well, I have a little
0: challenge for our listeners because
1: I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, I, I love Seinfeld. <laughs> I can always watch those reruns. And as you know, um, Jason, what's his last name?
0: Who, the guy who George plays George Costanza. Costanza. Uh, I'm missing think. his name. Under- I know. Of course, it would right have been there, except then you said you couldn't think of it. Now I can't think of it either. Yeah. Jason Alexander. Okay, well, whatever. It.
1: Thank you. He has stated many times that, you know, William Shatner's the reason he got into acting. And, you know, he was watching Star Trek as a kid and he went, that's acting. That's what mm-hmm. I want to do. And um, there was an episode on earlier this week. I had it on. And it was the one where Jerry and Elaine have worked out this set of rules so that they can have sex. But still be friends. And he's telling George about it, and George is saying, it cannot be done. It just (laughs) cannot be done. And if you watch the acting choices Jason Alexander makes in many episodes, you will see the Shatner. In this one, it's so good because he goes, I know less about women than anyone else on earth. (laughs) I remember this it was so not. It's not just that there's a pause and it's a long pause. It's the whole way he does it, yes. the physicality yes. of yes. it. And so I want to hear from our listeners, not necessarily Jason Alexander, anybody that you see or have seen, you know, in a in a film or a movie or something, you know, professional and doing it not as camp, not as here's my Shatner impression, But consciously or unconsciously, that there's Shatner in that performance. I want to know what those are.
0: I feel like I saw something recently where somebody was channeling Bill, and I can't remember what it was. Mm. I wish I could remember. I think you're right about that, though. I, I think it sneaks in because it's it's effective right it it's a it's a style of acting that actually works especially when you're playing big like that scene you're talking about i remember it's in the diner and they're sitting there (laughs) talking and when jerry first tells him this george actually laughs so hard he has to get up and walk around the inside of the diner he's rubbing his hand across his face and he's just laughing and laughing and then when he finally composes himself he starts to say this and it's just it's so big and dramatic it totally works
1: and that he's taking all this Shatner, Captain Kirkish sort of stuff and using it to play this total loser. Yep. I mean, it's it, really, um, the, the one, one that, the other one that comes to mind for me that isn't Jason Alexander is, um, I think I might've mentioned this once years ago on the show. If you watch the movie, Much Ado About Nothing, mm-hmm. in one of Benedict's monologues, kind of in the second half of the movie, um, Kenneth Branagh. Does a real Shatner? Really, he does the pause. He does the physicality. Mm. It's like it springs out of <laughs> the, the 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 screen. I remember when I saw it in the theater, I was like, "Oh my god, you, did you do that deliberately?" You know, to or is it because that's effective? Mm. Or do you know you're doing William Shatner? <laughs> you know? So yeah, we want to know about those. You know, other people who. You can see that influence and in whether they're conscious or unconscious mm-hmm. of it because he he was such a – I mean, the, the Star Trek being in reruns over and over and over, if you were going in – thinking about going into acting or theater, I defy someone who's an actor to say, oh, I've never seen Star Trek. That's bullshit. Whether it influenced you or mm-hmm. not, you know. I think you you can, if you're looking for it, which I always am, you can see it in a lot of little yeah. places. I wonder if it... But in Jason Alexander, you can see it in
0: almost yeah. everything. I, I wonder if anybody has really picked up on um, Bill's love of um, props and business. Because I swear, you know, I mm. see people using their props all the time. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody work with props the way bill does even now you know in boston legal and and the things that we've seen him in he's just so good and so like he loves it you can really see how much he loves it Mm -hmm. um and it's well i have one word yeah pudding yeah Yeah, i that's i was thinking of pudding and and even (laughs) even the swallow like do people even do swallows for dramatic effect i have never i don't know i have never seen
1: for dramatic effect or not, another human being, do that routine where you look at the glass, like, what the fuck is this? Okay, I will drink it. Uh, I will hold it in my mouth and think about it. You know, it's just, yeah, the Shatner swallow is so strange. And then remember for a while that we were talking about the Shatner pinky? Yes, that's right. <laughs> that is right. Just uh, lots of Shatner going I on I all just... over the place. But yeah. Uh, Think about it, listeners. We want to hear about these things.
0: I want to know. I want to know how has Bill influenced all the other actors that came after him because you know that he did. I I guess to a certain extent, you know, some of his acting is in opposition to um, the way actors want to be natural now. You know, like they're they're trying so hard to be natural, to act like they would naturally. And Bill is never Mm -hmm. natural, you know, except – very no. rarely but you know he's always he's he's bill's he version he is of, he's, of, you know of, he, he is real in the situation yes. you know he absolutely is but you would never mistake bill for like some guy that came off the street who's just happened to be in a scene the way you would with some mm-hmm. actors where you're like are they really acting oh, yeah or what's going on here mm-hmm. so maybe you know some of that is a little bit of a reaction against his style you know to not mm-hmm. be like that and, and so even still having an effect, even if it's in opposition to what he does.
1: Well, and you think about, you know, his history as an actor. Um, one of the big challenges, I think, of performing Shakespeare is that you, to modern ears, you are performing in a foreign language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you have got to keep that audience's attention and kind of, as you're doing your line, somehow manage to also be... Uh, the uh, exposition police. (laughs) Yes. And then when you think about when he was in Susie Wong and it was going so badly and people were walking out, so he started talking faster and putting in whatever he could to get their attention, to make them stay in their seats. Mm -hmm. Those are lessons learned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether he's consciously going, okay, a normal person would say this line like this, but I'm the captain of the starship and I have to make sure everybody in the room knows it and that their focus is on me. So
0: I'm going to say it this way. I don't know. Don't know. But listeners, we would love to hear if you have spotted the Shatner influence in other actors. That would be... that. Would yes, Shachting. Um, Shachting. Lots if of... If you that. have seen
1: some Shacting mm-hmm. and especially, I cannot think of a, anything right off the top of my head, female Shacting. Ooh. Hmm.
0: Part of it is women do not get those sort of roles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a really good... Thing to try to think okay i'm gonna have to look for that i am definitely gonna have to look for that for sure yeah, yeah. you know um i was just thinking as, as we're talking about this in legends of tomorrow as i mentioned um our, our <laughs> captain rip hunter aka rory you know he he's i love that name he's trying he's trying a little bit to be captain kirk you know It mm-hmm. it's He's a very angsty character, so it's not quite the same thing. But there, there are times when he he definitely pulls out the, you know, like I'm the captain and I'm going to make the decisions on this ship kind of speech that Kirk would pull out once mm-hmm. in a while. Like the not quite risk is our business, but it's it's getting close to it. <laughs> I, it. Actually, in last this week's episode, I almost expected him to say risk is our business, but he didn't say it. <laughs> it would have been too much. that with the Kobayashi Maru stuff, it would have been too much. So yeah, that
1: would have been over yeah. the line. He would have stepped on the definition of That's Star right. Trek. That's right, and then
0: they would have been in big fucking trouble. So. That's right. <laughs> so um, let's just let's wrap things up here. I wanted to talk about the yes. Star Trek talks, the Trek talks. Um, oh, yes, yes. that seemed really interesting. Um, and because I haven't heard anything about this since this thing popped up. Like, nobody knows what's going on. Um, so this was an announced uh, announced by CBS. They're launching a series of talks called Trek Talks, like TED Talks, and it says mm-hmm. they will bring fans together um, a new and exciting live event program that will explore Star Trek's influence and impact via lectures held around the world by leading thinkers who will comment on how Star Trek has changed the game when it comes to society, culture, science, technology, and more. It sounds a little bit like the thing I was just talking about. Um, yes, Trek talks will be produced and hosted by academic and entertainment institutions and other nonprofit and commercial corporations. They have theme options. So, mm-hmm. the Prime Directive, Literary Trek, A Trek Economy, Science of Star Trek, Thinking Boldly, Changing Hollywood. And they're taking place from July 2016 to July 2017. Organizations already on board include NASA, Toronto International Film Festival, uh, EMP Museum, Canadian Space Agency, and they're going to have them at venues like Comic-Con, Star Trek Las Vegas, the uh, Mission New York thing, and this thing called Destination Star Trek Europe, which I have no idea what that is.
1: I don't know either, but I do think it sounds really interesting.
0: It does sound really interesting. So I am uh, wondering, you know, like do you apply to speak there i guess you can yes submit. i am looking
1: at it right now
0: yeah okay tell us um, tell us
1: okay wait i'm i'm just trying to get get to that okay trek talks application oh an Let's application see. cool yes you can apply to host this thing that's coming up i don't know if it's to host or to speak um Intimate Speaker Series Exploring Star Trek's Influence, blah, 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 are are locally produced and hosted by Academic Entertainment. Oh, so this is to be um, a host. Mm -hmm. So you have to put in your organization information and um, what the events would be and why you want to host Trek Talks Mm -hmm. and – you, you know, can select from that list of topics that you were just reading or you can put in a new topic. Oh, interesting. You can have, and okay. you can list proposed speakers, proposed location, proposed dates. So, uh Hm.
0: Okay, I see know. a part here. It says, speakers should be academics, experts, or influentials. That's a new word for me, influentials. Did you know that was a noun now?
1: Right no, but people? you know what? I'm going to send this to uh, John Tenuto. <gasps> you totally should. He'd be so good. Well, Um, he probably already knows about it, but just in case. And also, he is doing, like, three or four talks at the Chicago Con.
0: Oh, cool. Yay. So we'll see him there. That would be good.
1: We'll get to see him again.
0: Yeah. Um, So that's all good. All speakers must be approved by CBS and must sign a CBS permission release form. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're going to be, like, webinar things where you can – go online and watch it because they do that with ted talks sometimes where yeah you're not yeah they, the those event, get
1: posted a lot yeah. yeah
0: so that would be cool if they did that Mm-hmm. oh this is terrible okay sorry i'm just looking at the website for um where this is which is at star trek.com and um they have a terrible website design but
1: Oh, yeah, do they ever?
0: Yeah, that's neither here nor there. Okay, so Trek Talks, maybe if some of you out there are interested and are experts or academics, you could do a Trek Talk. It looks like it's Mm -hmm. open to pretty much anybody who's qualified and has a talk.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Very, very good. Yeah, Yeah, I'm definitely going to send that to John. I just thought of that. And, you know, like I say, I'm sure he already knows and is uh, probably in talks with people to sponsor it and have him as the speaker, Mm -hmm. but.
0: Just in case. No, it can't hurt. Cannot hurt. Can't hurt. Yeah. Good. Uh, so anything else you want to do in this episode or are we done?
1: No, but I just want to tell everybody again, we are going to be at Silicon Valley Comic Con. <laughs> the um, room party will be Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Please Get in touch with us, either on our Facebook page or look at his butt at gmail.com to let us know if you're going to be there. You know, we'd love to get together with you, either have you at the party, have lunch together, hang out, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, We always have a blast meeting meeting our our fellow buttsters.
0: That's true. So, So um right now we'll here's be looking what, for you yeah here's what, what we've got planned friday night is bill's panel apparently we just found this out so now he, is this a panel or is this him doing his talking and and Aing? it it said panel but i think it's him doing his thing um, okay so it, he's probably going to talk for a few minutes and then just take lots of questions so that's on right. friday night don't know what room it's in because the schedule is not very good but we will be there we will be seeing Bill. it'll It'll be in the biggest room. Yeah, that's right. So that's cool. And then Saturday, it's unclear if Bill is doing more, like, public stuff. He's definitely doing autographs and pictures, but we suspect he might be doing another appearance. We're not sure. They haven't put the schedule up yet. But we will be around seeing and doing lots of other things, and I'll be wearing my Look at His Butt t-shirt, so you'll be able to tell it's us. And uh, then we'll be having our party in our room on Saturday night. So, you know, if you see a, a... a woman wearing a look, or look at his butt t-shirt, that would be me.
1: Yes, and uh, Lena has promised to get in the Q&A line for I, the first I, time
0: ever. I know. I'm I'm, know, I'm going to yeah. do it. I might need to have a stiff drink beforehand, but I, I think oh. I can do it.
1: I might just wear my WWKD
0: shirt again <laughs> because it makes me feel good. <laughs> oh, it's such a wonderful shirt. Well, I, I'm going to wear uh, my, my cute little futuristic dress, which I think Bill will like. 'Cause it's it's well, very uh very store tricky in my opinion.
1: Yes, and you you you'll look wonderful because yeah. you're you and you're <laughs> you're
0: always wonderful, so oh. Well, thank you. Yep, thank you. I think this is going to be our last show until we record at the con, right? Yes, this is true, and it looks like we have um, some time booked with Mark Okrand around the con, so we will have an interview mm-hmm. with him coming up sometime soon, which is just so exciting. Oh yes, yes, and we, we, if if you are a listener or have just heard about our show
1: and would consent to be interviewed by us, we're very easy. We don't ask tough questions. Um, we'd love to do it. We love talking to people, whether we're recording it or not. But, you know,
0: we want to see you. Yeah, we do. We want to get to know our listeners because we love you. You're (laughs) all so wonderful. Yeah. And Jack agrees. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for now. And uh, we will be coming at you from the con in uh, several weeks' time. That will be our next official recording.
1: Yes. Oh, it's going to be so
0: wonderful. It's going to be great. We'll be there with Bill. So Yay. everybody, thanks as always for listening. We love you so much. Keep sending us emails, answering questions, doing homework, etc. And we'll be back with you <laughs> in several weeks: OK. Bye-bye. Bye), Bye.